today on HR Trends. I do think it's important, especially when you get into these periods that are volatile and more uncertain, to take control of what you can. You know, try to spend less than you earn. Try to put some money away for savings. Um, understand what your objectives are and your risk tolerance for your investments. So in a time of big turmoil is not a time to panic and like sell your investments because usually at that point in time you're selling at a very low valuation. It's about engaging those employees to use the tools that are there and, and be pleasantly surprised about what those tools can offer you as an employee. Welcome to HR Trends. Today, our conversation is about inflation and how to support employee well-being. This is a really difficult time for many families here in the US, and we have a wonderful group of financial and well-being experts to give us some historical context of where we are right now and some best practices for employers to display care to their employees. Our guests today include Martha Leeper, Chief Investment Officer at Unum. She brings decades of experience in investment and asset management strategies. Joining us is Carl Gangnan, Assistant Vice President of Global Financial Wellbeing and Retirement Programs, and Laurie Mitchell, who's the Assistant Vice President of Global Wellbeing and Health at Unum. So Martha, let's begin with you. Can you start by just putting us in this moment of history. So we're recording this on August 4th, 2022. And according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, consumer prices were up 9.1% by the end of June 2022 over the past year. And that was the largest increase we've seen in 40 years. So where are we in this moment in the context of the past 40 years? Um, yes, I'm happy to. Uh, when you look back and think of the capital markets, they tend to be very uh, cyclical and can be volatile. And you're seeing a time of uh, increased volatility right now. As you mentioned, it's been over 40 years since we've really dealt with significant inflation. So I think it's important to stop and look back and say, you know, what was the environment like? And late in the 70s, uh, inflation was very high. Um, there are a lot of factors that go into that, but a few of them that you can really point to was easy monetary policy. We were coming out of the Vietnam War. There were massive uh, budget deficits. And then you had a shock in energy prices as there was tension in the Middle East. Uh, and all that led to uh, very, very high levels of inflation in the high teens at some point. And the Federal Reserve realized they had to get in and they had to do something about it and took very aggressive action. Uh, at one point, they had raised interest rates uh, up to about 20 percent. And it's hard to imagine rates that high in today's environment. But it worked. It was painful. There was a recession that came out of it. But it really um, got the economy back on track and and dealt with inflation. And since that time, as the Fed has managed through uh, the economy, they've had what's called a dual mandate. So they really focus on unemployment levels at, at low levels, and then inflation in a what they considered a moderate range around 2%. And since that time, we've had periods of recessions and economic growth. 
Um, and then you you fast forward, everything was going fairly normally in cycles until you get to about 2008, 2009, and we had the great financial crisis. That was the most severe recession we've seen since the great recession in the late 20s. And um, it was a shock. It was a more of an external event that caused that. Um, and it wasn't your typical supply demand uh, recession where supply gets heavy, um, companies produce more goods, the demand isn't there, they realize they've got too much inventory, they cut back production, they lay people off, demand slows down, and you get back into a normal pattern. This was a, a balance sheet recession, and it, it was really, again, kind of driven by easy monetary policy where the government had an initiative to get everybody into housing that they could. So mortgages were very easy to come by. People were taking out mortgages, sometimes on two and three homes. Uh, banks were incented to uh, generate mortgages. That's how they got their fees. So um, you had all these mortgages being created. You maybe didn't verify income of people, uh, didn't necessarily make sure they had a job. And all of a sudden, there are so many of these securities that are created on these mortgages, and it assumed that housing prices would go up forever. So that started to crack. Um, you had a real scare because a lot of banks or several banks became insolvent and uh, they were run on the banks. People were lined up to get money out of banks. It was very scary. Uh, the whole question of the financial security of the U.S. banking system came into question. So the Fed stepped in. It was a bit clunky at first. They decided, you know, they had to do something to get the financial stability taken care of. They cut interest rates to zero. Um, they had uh, monetary policy, put liquidity in the banks, orchestrated several uh, takeovers by different banks to take the failed ones out. Uh, we did have a very hard time in a recession, but things started to normalize. Um, then the economy is, is going along very well, and then you have the pandemic that hit us in 2000, late 19, early 2020. Another significant shock, uh, but this was global. You had uh, whole service industries and sectors, non-essential businesses shut down. And what that created, again, was the Fed needing to step in and restore some kind of stability. So this time it was more around people that weren't employed because businesses were shut down. So immediately cut interest rates to zero again. Um, put physical stimulus out there. Put a lot of money into the hands of people that uh, maybe didn't have a job at that time and there were no services to buy so what were people doing they wanted to buy goods they were locked in they needed things to do they wanted to improve their houses they wanted bicycles and recreational tools and uh, but you had supply issues too because companies that produced these items weren't producing them so you've got money in people's pockets they need something to buy. I can't get the supply. And it really then led to what we're seeing today is inflationary pressures. So as we're moving along, uh, a lot of the pandemic, things are opening back up. We still have some significant issues that are inflationary pressures right now. You've got supply chain issues that still hasn't been corrected. We've got um, a tight labor market now, um, very tight, uh, beyond what we consider full employment. So you've got uh, wage inflation. And as companies are faced with this increasing prices, they're having to 
pass it along and their pricing to consumers. And then housing, I would say, is the last piece. Um, we've still got a pent up demand for housing and not enough housing for the people that are needing to get into homes. And that's creating a lot of higher rents and housing prices. At the same time, mortgage rates are going up as the Fed is trying to now say, we need to stop inflation. I don't want it to get out of hand like it did in the 80s and the 70s. Let's, let's be aggressive now, even if that means we'll go into a recession. So useful to kind of get that big picture. And how are you seeing then employers responding to this environment? What are some of the key fundamentals employers are keeping in this mind in mind right now? Well, when I look at what the employers are doing, they're very much needing to source uh, good employees. And there's a war for talent right now. So we are seeing wages go up. At the same time, I'm conscious that I've got to pass those prices then on to the consumer, and there's only so much they can bear. So how do I get productivity? Um, a lot of times situations like this will uh, cause innovation to happen because it's a necessity. So they're very conscious on pushing prices through to consumers, but at some point uh, that won't go on forever. So I've got to either get the price increase, get productivity, or what could come, and this could come in the form of a recession with these higher interest rates and, and stopping inflation, is I'm going to have to cut costs. And a lot of times, you know, costs can be employee costs. Right. And so in that environment, um, Laurie, I'd love to bring in you here talking then about emotional well-being. So, you know, it's interesting, the American Psychological Association, we had their CEO, Dr. Arthur Evans, on the podcast at the beginning of this year. He was referencing a report they had called Compounding Pressure on the American Workforce. And I think that idea of compounding pressure just feels right because there are so many stresses already. Laurie, what are your thoughts there? Maybe compared to the 80s, what's the difference today? Well, it, it, it's true and I and I really uh, uh, appreciate Martha's historical perspective. I, I sort of learn a lot in, in listening to all of that and I think back to the 80s, 1981, I was in high school and not thinking about infl inflation. Uh, I'm sure my parents were. Um, but this is, you know, something that we really haven't felt or experienced in a long time. We certainly have, have had other stressors, particularly over the past uh, two to three years in dealing with a pandemic. Um, and I think, you know, from a, from a mental health perspective, um, there are financial, certainly financial stress can uh, impact emotional well-being, which can impact physical well-being. These are all inextricably linked. Um, they're not siloed states of of being um, that that we experience. I think there are some uh, some different you know stressors today that we didn't see in the 80s, um, and specifically some of the things that people do. Everything costs more, but there are sp specifically some things that people do to manage their health that are quite a bit more expensive. For one healthcare. Um, we've never seen this these types of healthcare expenses, and those expenses get passed along to employers and to, therefore, to the employees. Um, higher deductibles, for example, higher out-of-pocket um, costs for, for care. Um, we see that when you go to the grocery store, food is more expensive, healthy food even more so. And things like gym, gym memberships, of course, are, are more expensive. So I think, you know, people are going to be looking for, for trade-offs or different ways to do things in order to, uh, to spend a little bit less, but not sacrifice their, their overall health and well-being, whether, you know, financial, physical, and emotional. 
And do you have any thoughts to share? I know Unum does an amazing job creating really supportive environment for employees. Any areas employers could be thinking around creating that supportive environment for employees at this time? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, stress is part of most people's lives. I mean, that's just the the, the working norm today. Um, I think helping employees understand, you know, that mental well-being is how well we cope with life's ups and downs. Um, and it's not about being happy all the time. It's really important. And that we're all in this together. You know, we're all experiencing what's going on in the external world um, to varying degrees. And it, and it impacts some people more than it impacts others. But I think, you know, one of the things that employers need to do is to make sure that, um, you know, they have the, the resources, free resources, ideally, uh, to support emotional well-being and mental health and to help people adapt to these ever-changing uh, circumstances and, and stresses or changes that, that just happen throughout life. Um, and, you know, one, one thing is that, you know, I see is that employees are often unaware of these resources. Most employers offer them, offer something, but employees aren't aware. And then they get to a moment of when they're in stress or distress and are looking for these resources and then struggle with fi to, to find them. So it's really incumbent on both the employer to make sure they, they have the resources and they're building awareness around them. And then for the employee to um, then take action and avail themselves of those resources before they get to a place of, of severe stress or distress. That's wonderful. And Martha, I want to just bring it back to you quickly. And then Carl, we're just gonna prize your mind, pry your mind of all the financial well-being advice you can share <laughs> for employees. But Martha, something you mentioned previously when we were talking around um, a sense of control that can help or, or, or a sense that we can do things within this environment, like families can do things, employers can do things, right? Uh, being disciplined, for example. Could you just speak a bit to that? Um, absolutely. I do think it's important, especially when you get into these periods that are volatile and more uncertain, to take control of what you can. You know, try to spend less than you earn. Try to put some money away for savings. Um, understand what your objectives are and your risk tolerance for your investments. So in a time of big turmoil is not a time to panic and like sell your investments because usually at that point in time, you're selling at a very low valuation. So um, know your tolerance, understand where you are um, on your career spectrum. If you're close to retirement, um, you should be out of the more volatile um, type securities and investments. But if you're young in your career, don't panic. Um, these types of times tend to create good buying opportunities and the markets will correct and your savings will grow over time. So it's just important to, to kind of look at your financial picture and take those steps to do what you can to ease that burden. It's wonderful. And that's a perfect intro to you, Carl, and what you're sort of leading here at Unum, helping employees with financial well-being. Could you speak to what what's important well, after Martha's few comments, I was basically going to tell you, I think I can go now and just leave. But no, that's not, that's not true. But certainly, I uh, worked with Martha a long time. Glad to see her on this call. Um, 
I think a couple things, you know, when we first hit the pandemic, we started using all of this lovely technology and thank God it was here so that we could actually continue to work and communicate. And we did a lot of that communication, education, communication, reminding employees early in the pandemic to stick with your knitting, stay the course. You're not going out as much. Can you lean into better savings habits, build an emergency savings? You know, it's one of the big things at Unum. We've just launched a voluntary emergency savings program and we're actually adding auto enrollment to it in 2023. So we're real thrilled about helping people save automatically. And I think that's part of it is giving the tools and resources to your employees where they are in their lives. You know, my needs are different than, a, you know, a Gen Z just entering the workplace and being mindful of that, I think is very important. Also, I think it's time to take stock. I think with a market volatile as it is right now, the possibility of going into a recession, Look at yourself. Look at where you are in your life. Is your budget okay? What are you spending it on? Just do some self-reflection. It's very important. It's amazing what you'll find out. And then number two, continue to think about the fact, as Mark mentioned, that through a career, and you know, and I'm closer to the end of my career than I am in my beginning, but there's been five or six of these market cycles. You know, we we tend to tell employees, and employers are very good about, well, your average rate of return will be over your career will be somewhere around seven percent. Well, that includes times when it's twenty percent and times when it's negative twenty percent. So stay the course, don't over adjust. Use the tools and resources. If you really think you're improperly invested and allocated, use the tools and resources that your employer, like Unum does, to give to their employees to use it and engage. I can think those are the, the best things you can do. Talk to your planner, engage with your employer, engage with your family. That's wonderful. What about the sort of, you've, you've I know at Unum you do this wonderful spectrum. So you have these kind of financial and budgeting concierge programs, which are just right. so awesome for those, you know, people not as familiar with the American uh, system such as myself and then you've got the investing and you know uh, diversification of assets is something you're talking about could you just speak to yeah. that a little bit yeah in terms of asset diversification and martha knows this but she served in some of our fiduciary committees in the past it's really about offering a, a program that i think tries to achieve quite a few things good rate of return very low fees and appropriate investment choices within an investment market spectrum, stocks, bonds. And what has happened in the past few years is that companies have started to broaden that beyond just a pension or a 401k that are starting to add deaccumulation sources. I think over the next few years, you'll see more plans allowing in-plan systemic withdrawals, uh, offering annuity programs within that. So the employee, employee can utilize the skill set and the advice of its employer at a very low cost when you compare it to what you're paying in the retail market. An employee takes all their money out, goes into the retail market. He or she is going to pay significantly more for the services that are already being provided under the plan. So I think that's part of it. And then the second thing is helping employees. One thing we found out as part of the pandemic, um, remember the CARES Act, it's only two years old and it's, it stopped a lot of things, but it, it allowed employees emergency access to their money. And I think what happened is it really didn't impact as many people as we thought it was, it was still a large number, but it was also something that really drove, I think, the initiative to create emergency savings. Because I think what we all fail to do is we live in the here and now. And for those of us who have good savings and are put away, it's great feeling. But also for those who are struggling with day-to-day -day mortgage and inflation and pricing, trying to, when times are good, put a little bit more away is really important. 
And then I think thirdly, employers are just looking at what's happening to their participation rates. And I think engagement is very important. So are we seeing people decrease their contributions, change their investment structures, not participate at the level they are or have been in the past? That would ring true to employers. And I think most employers would say, okay, we've got to address this. We've got to think about what's going on in our employee base. So taking a pulse and getting the survey and getting feedback from the employees is very important. So helpful. And I wonder if we could also just briefly speak to that idea of to what degree do employees want or expect this sort of support? And I think, you know, you just trace that line really well coming through the pandemic. And actually, as a result of that, a lot of studies are showing employees today actually expect their employer to yeah. offer more, to be more supportive. Um, and that actually has a quite a big impact on retention. That sense of being cared for is very important to employees. Um, but it's a delicate balance, right? And I know it's something we've, Carl, we've spoken with you about this. Um, you've got five generations in the workplace, a great diversity of needs. Not everybody wants the same sort of support. And, and actually, Martha, maybe bring it over to you. What, any thoughts from you on how to walk that balance? Well, you know, it's, it is a, a good point that you bring up, and I think um, that's where inclusion comes in and inclusion and diversity. We have five um, different generations in the workforce and everybody has different needs. Everybody brings that perspective in and it's we all learn from each other and those different perspectives. And I want to echo one thing Carl said about the resources that we have at the company and Carl and a team of very smart people, you know, run that portfolio that defined contribution plan, they make sure you're diversified or that you have those options. You've got professionals that are managing your money. And it's so important to let that grow and accumulate through the years and to have that employer sponsored piece where they're contributing to uh, match your contributions. And that's just a great benefit. Yeah, and I think from an advice perspective, if I could jump in here, Claire, mm, you know, please. one of the things Unum did <clears throat> as part of the pandemic is evaluate being able to give our employees some of that concierge service through like a company like Brightside that we that we partner with to be able to help our employees have, you know, the fintech tools that I think is very important to new generations coming in, but also that one-on-one -on -one personal concierge that they can turn to and confidentially turn to and go, hey, look, I'm dealing with this. Do you have any ideas? And that's been super well received. Uh, and we continue to try to expand that. And for our higher earners, we're offering, you know, executive services and advice to make sure they have the tools and resources necessary for them to plan for retirement savings and things of that nature, as well as just going through and understanding the benefits that Unum offers as an employer. Laurie, any thoughts for you to add to that? Yeah, I think, you know, walking that that balance to address the needs of a very diverse workforce, um, generationally, um, ethnically, uh, ge geographically, um, is really important. And I think it's, it's, it's incumbent upon an employer to offer different ways to engage, several different modalities, whether it's in-person, um, and this is across all the pillars of well-being, whether it's financial, physical, or, emotion, or emotional. So ways to engage in person, ways to engage digitally. In, and for example, um, here at Unum, we have Unum Behavioral Health, which is a digital mental health support service. And we're finding growing preference for that way of engaging and seeking support um, for emotional well-being. And then virtual. Uh, so telehealth, for example, um, are really you have to offer all of those because people have different preferences. And ideally, um, those uh, those programs are of 
uh, are of no cost to employees or very low cost. Uh, again, you want to remove any of the financial barriers for people to, uh, to take advantage of those. That's wonderful. I wonder if we could finish really just coming back to you all. And Martha, let's start with you. If you were to leave our audience with sort of a key, maybe some guidance of, of, of what to watch in, in the coming year or so going ahead around this inflation uh, environment, any thoughts? Well, um, absolutely. I will say that it will all unfold uh, over the next 12 to 18 months. It's hard to tell where you are in the cycle at any given point in time. It's when the rearview mirror that you, you see that. But it does look like we could be heading toward a recession. So I would say, you know, look at uh, things that you can do to prepare for that. Um, I think inflation, there's some signs that it's starting to moderate. Uh, we don't know how fast interest rates are going to continue to rise, but it looks like that, that they probably will. Um, but take advantage of resources that the company has available and and network. Network and talk to others that are, you know, going through similar things. And a lot of times just having that, that other person to talk to can kind of um, help you navigate these uncertain times. Wonderful. Carl, any thoughts from you? Yeah, I, I think it, it, following up what, what Martha said a little bit, I think from an employee perspective, it's really about engagement. So how do we design and how do we bring programs that are not only we know they're good, we think we offer good programs all around the spectrum of total rewards, but how do we get them to, how do we get our employees to fully engage in them? I think they want to engage. They're a little bit concerned about engagement. They're concerned about privacy and we have to ensure that, but it's also about you know, it, it, it's a very personal decision, whether you're dealing with finances, whether you're dealing with mental health or work, you know, and a lot of these things are driven by the stress of those issues, whether it's health and welfare or uh, mental stress or the fact that you're really struggling to meet your budget and you're, you're having a hard time doing it. It's about engaging those employees to use the tools that are there and, and be pleasantly surprised about what those tools can offer you as an employee. Wonderful. And Laurie, maybe we'll finish with you. And I'm going to throw in this this LIMRA recent uh, study, Benefits and Employee Attitude Tracker Study. It was a startling statistic. Um, this Employees are 7.4 times more likely to stay if their ex employer is exhibiting care, if they feel their employer cares about them. So going back to what Martha was saying around, you know, this, this difficult uh, financial environment and, and, and that need for productivity, but certainly the need for retention is so great. And how can, maybe finishing with you, how can we show care? Um, that is such a great point. I think it's important for us all to realize that we're not alone um, and that um, there are others like us who are experiencing uh, the world as, as we do. And um, we don't have to go it alone, that there, there are programs and resources to help us as well as our colleagues. Um, and our employer. Uh, and I think seeking out that support is, is really helpful. I do think it's also incumbent upon the employer to make sure that they are making these resources easy to find, that they're actively and regularly promoting them. And I'd also suggest that, you know, they, and we have done this at Unum, is to use employees or leaders to share their personal stories or their firsthand experience with with a program or a resource that the employer offers. Um, this is one of the most effective ways to, to promote resources. And it also um, lets people know that they're not alone and it, it just instills empathy and connection. So I think that that's a really effective way to go about 
um, you know, promoting what it is that you have to offer your your workforce. Well, thank you all so much. I know I feel a lot calmer leaving this conversation. So we'll invite you back in again. Thank you all so much. It's been a pleasure, Thanks, Claire. Claire. Thank you. It has. Thank you. Unum is a registered trademark and marketing brand of Unum Group and its insuring subsidiaries.